Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So in the news, we have a secret bank that popped up. And I don't know if it's secret, but more so it's just on no one's radar, including mine. I've heard Jeff Snyder talk about it a couple times, but the more I hear about it, the more I realize how important this is. And it's actually a second central bank in the United States that does the exact same thing to a certain degree that the Fed does. So it's like we have two central banks that are operating at the same time, but yet nobody has heard about the second central bank except for the banks that are using it to a great degree, just like they did prior to the GFC. This is going to be a very fascinating video. I can't wait to get into it. Before I do, I want to encourage all of you to check out Rebel Capitals Pro. That is the investment service that I have with my good buddies, Lynn Alden, Chris McIntosh. We are going into some tumultuous times throughout the rest of 2023 and into 2024. To have the best edge, to have the best opportunity, not only survive, but thrive. Got to check out that investment website, Rebel Capitalist Pro. You can do so at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. <laughs> That's it. I remembered it. Okay, let's get into this article, this post. And uh, before we do, I want to encourage all of you to check out the most recent podcast episode from Forward Guidance, and that's with uh, Jack. I can't recall his last name, but he's really, really good interviewer, and uh, this is, I, I believe this episode came out just today, or if not last night, and it's, it's fantastic. He interviews this gal, Catherine Judge who is a banking expert. Now, she's an academic, so she's got a little bit maybe different view than we would have, but uh, the the data that she provides, the wealth of information is absolutely priceless. I was completely blown away by this podcast. So actually, you can go to it right here. I just want to give them as many plugs as I possibly can. If you go to their YouTube channel, BlockWorks Macro, and uh or the podcast is forward guidance and uh it's the most recent episode here with Catherine judge and jack farley excuse me is is farley is jack's last name okay so let's get into this guy's title problem lender of second to last resort we always hear about the fed is the lender of last resort but what Catherine mentions and i've heard snyder talk about this a couple times but but i didn't really get into the weeds until I heard this podcast. I'm like, you know what? This is something I really need to pay attention to. And it wasn't even on my radar. So this is basically a, a second central bank that we have in the United States that nobody's ever heard of. It's called the Federal Home Loan Bank. And it is a system. It's just like the Federal Reserve System where there's member banks and they have equity and it pays a dividend. I mean, it's set up the exact same way. Now, obviously they don't set interest rates and uh, they don't create bank reserves, but they basically sell bonds and then they take the funds from those bonds and they lend them out to troubled banks, a bailout, just like the Fed would do with the discount window. So let's get into it here. This is absolutely fascinating stuff. And then what I want to do is go over a chart of where their lending is right now compared to the GFC. And if you saw the thumbnail, spoiler alert, <laughs> you know exactly where I'm going with this. So she starts off by saying part of what makes the failure of Silicon Bank signature Silvergate so striking is the banality, not sure what that means, of their path to demise. These uh, banks serve high tech companies. Okay, we all know this. Uh, the banking experts, let's see, also familiar to the banking experts, is a lifeline these banks clung to in order to stay afloat, even as market-based sources of funding ran dry. Now, that's the key I want to make first, or the point I want to make first here. Look at this. Even as market 
based sources of funding ran dry. So you know what she's saying there? She's saying funding from other banks because it's very, it's such a common idea, narrative, that the Fed has to come in and provide liquidity because the banks just don't have enough bank reserves and they just don't have enough balance sheet capacity. And therefore, we hit this limit where there's no more balance sheet capacity for the commercial banking system. And then the Fed has to come in and add liquidity, save the day, right? And that's not how it works. What you see with Silicon Valley Bank and pretty much all these banks that go bust, even going back to the GFC, it's not that there wasn't any balance sheet capacity. So it's not that the banks didn't have the ability to lend. It's that they chose not to. But those are two completely different things. I have the ability to lend some guy in the street that I don't even know $10,000. But that doesn't mean I'm going to. So if the Fed steps in and lends that guy $10,000, are they really adding to liquidity? Eh, They might be, but they're they're definitely not adding to the, the liquidity capacity. And that's a key distinction. So let's keep going here. And like we said, this basically second central bank of the United States is called Federal Home Loan Banks. Set up in 1932 to, as you can guess, promote home ownership. Oh, boy. Whenever we have a government program that is set up with the intent of promoting home ownership, usually doesn't end well. And it usually creates bigger problems for those individuals that they're trying to help. Over the last 90 years, it has grown massively. Shocker, right? Surprise, surprise. While also morphing to serve the interests of giant financial institutions far more than homeowners. Again, shocker. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> oh, geez. Even more troubling. And that's why I get so hard on people that talk about, well, let's just have better regulations. Well, we, we've got these regulations for the banking system. And, uh, you know, they do a, an okay job over here, but they really need to be tweaked over here. And if we could just turn that dial and push this button and turn that knob and, oh, my gosh, well, then, whoo, boy, the regulatory framework would be absolutely ideal. And then we'd never have banks go bust. Right. Because why? Well, because we're incentivizing the banks to do a good job and to manage their downside risk by all these regulations so they can't go outside of these constraints, not acknowledging the fact that those constraints will create bigger problems and unintended consequences. And at the end of the day, the banks will always find a way around the regulators. I would like to propose a novel idea. The way you create an incentive for banks to manage their downside risk is to let them fail. You let them go bust. And magically, the banks that are left that did not go bust will manage their risk far better moving forward. I can promise you. So what's ironic here is that we try to solve the problems of banks going bust with more regulation, but the problem is only solved by allowing them or some of them to go bust to begin with. That's how the free market works. Like Milton Friedman always says, the loss is just as important as the profit. You have to have the loss. That's what cleans out the system. That's where all the assets from the bad actors go to the good actors, and the entire economy is better off as a result. Getting back to the article. Even more troubling, the FHL bank system, again, it's just like the Federal Reserve System, is now entrenched lender of, well, second to last resort, yet one that is even less accountable and public-minded than the Federal Reserve, which Congress created to serve. Okay, yeah, we got that. So 
I mean, this is just a crazy, crazy rabbit hole here. And what's happening, I'll, I'll give you the gist of it, then we'll get into the details. The The banks that get in trouble before they go to the Fed, because there's such a stigma with the discount window, uh, they actually try to go to a bailout with this federal home loan bank. And this federal home loan bank is happy to give it to them. They always talk about the fact that they've never lost a penny. And it's true. The reason they've never lost a penny in the 90 years is because they, they give the banks, like they take all of this collateral and then they only lend at like a 30% LTV. And plus, even if they do, if the banks do go bust, they have like something, I forgot what it's called. I think it's like a super lean or something like that. But basically the lean, the FL, the FHL bank, the second central bank of the United States, the lean they have on the banks supersedes everything. So if that bank goes bust, the FHL bank, the federal home loan bank, gets paid before anybody, the bondholders, the, the, the owners, the, the IRS, they get paid first. So if you're given 30% LTV loans on, on collateral that you take, <laughs> that you take ownership, plus even if they do go bust, you're the super lien holder. Yeah, not too much downside risk there. And you say, well, George, who's buying all of these bonds that the FHL bank is selling in order to get the funds to lend to these failing banks. Would you be shocked to hear it was banks like JP Morgan? This is so, sir, talk about incestuous banking system. Like I said, this goes really deep, really deep. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Ceresna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. So let's get into the origins here. And I would, and again, I cannot suggest reading this article and listening to this podcast enough here. Understanding the origins, designs behind the FHL bank system is key to understanding where it went wrong and how to write its course. And again, I, I would, I would disagree with <laughs> the uh, solutions, but uh, that's irrelevant. For much of the 20th century, banking was highly segmented. Investment banks made money underwriting and trading securities. Commercial banks focused on service, servicing businesses. Thrifts, which until this morning, I didn't even know was a thing. Thrifts, like the Bailey Brothers Building and Loan, run by Jimmy Stewart's character in A Wonderful Life, specialized in serving the masses. They helped ordinary people build savings, and they would provide mortgages that all but the very rich needed to buy a home. And I know it doesn't get into this article, but she got into it in the podcast. So what they used to do is pool private money, and then they would lend it out at a very conservative LTV, and they would charge, uh, well, some of them, I don't know if the 
HL Bank was set up this way, but its predecessors would uh, charge interest only, but it would be for five years, sometimes only two years, and then they'd have a full balloon payment. So think about that. Let's just assume for a moment that our housing market was the maximum, maximum time in which you could borrow for a mortgage was five years. And then you had to put like 30, 40% down. <laughs> Think about how solid our real estate market would be. And is it any surprise that we never had a GFC prior to 2008 when that's the way money used to be lent? And by the way, you say, well, how did it get to where it is today with all these 30-year fixed rate loans? Because it's subsidized by the government, for heaven's sakes, through Fannie and Freddie. That's not the private sector. This is what the private sector does. They lend to people for five years. Why? What well, would you lend to anyone for for more than five years? Knowing that you would have to, you could uh, face not only um, uh, interest rate risk, but credit risk, and then also inflation. No. No, that's why hard money loans are like a year, two years. They're not 30 years for heaven's sakes. So again, boy, maybe the solution is less regulation, letting the banks go bust and getting the government out of the equation. And magically, as we've seen from the first you know, 200 years or whatever of the housing market, it was pretty damn secure. It was pretty rock solid until you had all these government programs, and all these incentives and all these politicians that are in there trying to buy votes by you know building up the middle class through home ownership. And that just blows up in their face. So anyway, getting back to this, the way these things started against this backdrop, the FHL banks could promote home ownership by allowing only thrifts. So, okay, these thrifts were set up, which were basically pooled groups of private money that would lend very conservatively to people, the, the middle class that just needed a, a little bit of extra help to buy that house because they only had like, a let's say, a 50% down payment, not like today where it's a 1% down payment. So then what they did is they set up this, this government entity here. It was kind of implicitly backed by the government, this FHLB, to assist these thrifts. So if the thrifts had all these mortgages on their balance sheet and they needed some liquidity, well, you didn't really have a repo market back then. So what they could do is they could pledge some of those mortgages as collateral to the FHL bank, and then they would go ahead and give them some liquidity or provide liquidity for them. So again, it, it was set up as kind of like a, a, a sister entity to the Federal Reserve back in 1932. It was 32 or 32, yes. So access to loans was and remains valuable, just like F F Fannie Freddie, uh, the FHL bank government sponsored with implicit government backstop. This provides uh, cheap funding, attractive terms, advances. Okay, so now let's get down into the punchline here. And the punchline is, she does not have a chart of it, but fortunately I do. This is a uh, Fred chart. The usage of this FHL, HLB from other banks, as you would expect, goes up dramatically as we get closer to a crisis situation, a recession. Look at what happened in the GFC. So why, if they take, if they only give these banks like a 30, 40% LTV and they charge a high interest rate and, uh, you know, why would these banks just not go to the Fed? Because the banks know that if they go to the Fed, there's a very high chance that they're doomed because every other bank will know they went to the Fed and they'll never lend to them again. See, again, it, it's it's 
it's very similar to that example I gave you where I've got $10,000 and there's some random guy out in the street that I don't know. Okay, well, let's first and foremost, I wouldn't lend him the money, but let's say that I did know him, but he had proven some other way that he's absolutely desperate and has no money whatsoever. Well, that in and of itself is going to prevent me from lending to that person moving forward because I know that he wasn't prudent enough. He wasn't risk averse. He didn't manage his balance sheet well enough in the past. Hence, he had to go to the Federal Reserve for a bailout. Therefore, I'm going to assume if I see him back in the marketplace in a year or so, that it's that same guy that made the stupid stakes before. So you're kind of persona non grata. So what they do, what they prefer to do is go to this, what, what she calls the second lender of last resort, meaning they're kind of the buffer between the, the banks that are going bust and the Fed. And those banks that are going bust will go to them first. Kind of, let's keep it hush-hush here under the table so no one knows about it. Just be between you and I. And then this, uh, this FHB bank or whatever, FHLB, something like that. FHLB, yes. Uh, they say, sure, we'll do it to you because it's free money. <laughs> so why not, right? So what you would expect is when money gets tight, when we see deflationary money, as Snyder says, deflate not that we have deflation in consumer prices but we have deflationary money meaning that the uh the liquidity in the system the willingness to provide liquidity from the private sector is diminishing and diminishing rapidly that's when you would expect all these other banks like silicon valley and lehman brothers and whatnot to go running straight to the FHLB. So like I said you could see this thing this happening and by the way you can go back even further I mean, look at this. We see it start to ramp up going into 1989, which is exactly what you would expect the savings and loan crisis. Then you see it ramp up in the late 90s when everyone, all the insiders are probably crapping their pants because of the dot-com. They knew that was coming. And then you see it just skyrocket. Did it skyrocket when Lehman went bust? Oh, no, 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 no. It skyrocketed in Q1 2007. So think about that. Let's just rewind here. Assume we could get in a, time travel machine and go right back to get to, to uh, a DeLorean, of course, go right back to the beginning of 2007. What do you think you would have heard if you were to turn on CNBC? Oh, the housing market is incredible. The banks are robust. Unemployment rate is incredibly low. Well, and I, and I'm not for sure, but I'm assuming the yield curve started to invert in 2007. So, oh yeah, that yield curve inverted, Yeah, whatever. It, this time it's different. Don't pay any attention to that. It's only inverted because of this, because of that, because of this. The yield curve is dead. And oh, by the way, look at housing. Some people are coming out saying that it's going to crash, but don't, they're just complete idiots. Subprime is contained. We've got nothing to worry about. Look at GDP, look at the unemployment rate, look at all the things that they're saying today. Meanwhile, you had the yield curve screaming, hey, dummy, look at this, waving this red flag. And then if, for those who were paying attention, they could have just looked at what was happening with FHLB and say, wait a minute here, why on earth is this going parabolic going into 2008? Why is this going straight up? Oh, I know. Maybe it's because the banks are screwed. Maybe it's because there's massive stress in the banking system and that and this basically is a release valve. So all we have to do is pay attention to the release valve. What's happening today? Shocker. If we would have looked at this and if, and I'm just as guilty as anyone else, I should have been looking at this. 
I didn't even know it was a thing, really. But if you would have been really paying attention to this, look at this, Q1 2020. Remember, when did Silicon Valley Bank go bust? That was Q1 of 2023. Q1 of 2023. But look at what happened going into that. Q1, parabolic 2022. Parabolic, Q2, same. Q2, for the entire span of 2022, this release valve was going straight up until we get to a crescendo with Silicon Valley Bank and these regional banks going bust. And now I believe the data, it looks like the data comes out quarterly. So this was updated or actually maybe monthly. um, I'm not sure. Oh, quarterly. Yes, right here. So what we're going to do is we are really going to have to pay attention to this. And, And Josh, please write this down. We've got to find out when the next report comes out. And we've got to monitor this because if the next report shows this continuing to go straight up, you know definitively we are not at the end of this banking crisis. This thing is just beginning. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. Definitely check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. It's an incredible investment website. I got Lynn Alden, Chris McIntosh. Like I said at the beginning, you can check it out at George Gammon dot com forward slash pro and I'll see you in the next video.